Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. It's funny until someone gets hurt. Then it's really funny. A brand new podcast that may become your second favorite. The Shallow End, coming soon from the Box of Oddities. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You know, I just realized as I was setting up this recording session and numbering the episode that this is box number 435. That's wild. Remember when we first started and we were like, this is episode 10. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. We're coming up very quickly. On episode 500, and, and I haven't figured out exactly when that, that episode will drop, but it's probably going to be sometime toward the end of this year, the end of 2022. So we should do something, I mean, 500 episodes. That's a big deal. We should do something very special. I agree. You have any ideas? Yeah, I really don't either. Uh, maybe maybe we could have uh, the freaks suggest some uh, some ideas. If you have a suggestion for a fun way to celebrate episode 500, or box 500 as we call it, mm-hmm. let us know. Curator at theboxofoddities.com. You can, I don't know, throw it out on social media. Those of you who are with us on Patreon, you have a direct pipeline to us. You can just send us your ideas. Didn't you have an idea once? Maybe this was... Uh, when we were approaching our 400th episode that we hold some sort of a contest and we go to somebody's town and do the show at their house. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. Maybe we could do something like that. Would, <laughs> would there be interest in that? I can't imagine that anyone would want that because we would have to like rearrange your whole space and be like, bring me some towels. We're going to tack them up on the walls. <laughs> do you have a closet we could get into? All right. It's just an idea. <laughs> Maybe you have a better one. Probably you do. Uh, Just send it to us and uh, we'll start working on something to make it something special for the 500th episode. So anyway, start thinking about that while I I tell you this story or relate this episode, if you will. In the late summer of 1896, a young woman named Zona Heaster met a guy named Edward Trout Shoe. (laughs) Trout in in quotes. I'm sorry. It's his nickname. 
He called Zona them, and Trout. Zona and Trout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Trout Shoe. Uh, Shoe had recently moved to Greenbrier County, West Virginia, and he opened a blacksmith shop there. She was 37 years old. He was a good-looking guy, charismatic, and it wasn't long before Heaster, 23, fell in love with this handsome, muscular, blacksmithing guy. I picture her admiring him from across the street while he's shirtless and sweaty and with the sun glinting off his shiny, sweaty, muscular... What is happening? It was a whirlwind relationship. And later that year, they were married in the Methodist church. Most people were very happy for the couple. They seemed like a good match, but Zona's mother, Mary Jane, was not. She was concerned that they just met, and Mm. she tried to convince her daughter, give it a little bit more time. Sure, but Zona was like, no, no, got to have Trout's anvil. And that's exactly what happened. They quickly set up home in a house near Shoe's blacksmith shop. On the 22nd of January, that following year, 1897, just a few months after they had been married, Shue paid a visit to a neighbor whose name was Martha Jones. And he asked Martha's son, her young son Anderson, if he'd do a favor for him and check on Zona and assist her with some chores as he had some business that he needed to attend to. Heaster had been ill all month and was actually under the care of a doctor at the time. So Shu asked the young Anderson to check in on his wife immediately, but Anderson had some chores he needed to finish up first and didn't get over to their house until later that afternoon. Okay. I am already suspicious because it seems very weird that Shu would need Anderson to go and check on Zona mm-hmm. as soon as he left the house. Yeah. When Anderson arrived, he immediately saw a trail of blood leading into the house. Oh, no. He followed it into the dining room. The doors of the dining room were shut. He opened the doors, and he nearly tripped over Heaster's body. Oh, no. He quickly ran back home, and he alerted his mother. She, in turn, alerted Shu, and then Anderson ran to the local doctor's office, the office of Dr. J.M. Knapp. By the time the doctor had arrived, Shu was already there. Apparently, after he was informed of his wife's death, he ran home and for some weird reason, washed Heaster's body and changed her clothes and then put her in a high-collar dress and moved the body from the dining room into the bedroom where he tucked her into bed. Respectful or suspicious? Hmm. It gets even weirder. When Dr. Knapp arrived, Shu was hysterically sobbing and cradling Heaster's head in his lap. This prohibited the coroner from full access to the body, and, and he was having some sort of a, you know, a big episode, and that's understandable. His wife's dead. But they were unable to get Shu to leave the room so they could conduct their examination. Suspicious. So Dr. Knapp declared, well... Probably the cause of death was, quote, everlasting faint. This is what he wrote on the death certificate. <laughs> everlasting faint. That's not a thing. And then, weirdly, he changed it later, like within a day or two, to cause of death, childbirth. Wait, what? It, Zona yeah. was pregnant? No. What? I don't know. Okay. It's weird. He was just, I think trying to think of things that made sense because he couldn't do a proper exam. So he's just throwing yeah, out things. Apparently. You know, it probably happened. She probably choked on a raccoon. So the hysterical trout shoe, uh, which are words I've never said in one sentence before. It's a perfect moment. Held awake for Heaster. But 
He was observed acting very strangely. People came from all over to pay their respects. The body was still in the dress that uh, covered her neck, but he had also tied a scarf around her neck and then covered the face with a veil. And he spent the entire time pacing back and forth in front of the coffin, crying uncontrollably, effectively keeping mourners from getting too close to Heaster's body. Mm-hmm. One witness, however, said that as Shu was adjusting the pillows behind Heaster's head, she noticed that Heaster's head appeared to be, quote, very loose on her neck. Sort of off. Sort of off. So from the moment that young Anderson found Heaster's body to the moment that the first shovelful of dirt was tossed on her casket, Shu had effectively kept everyone from getting too close to look at the body, even Heaster's mother, Mary Jane. Can you imagine if this was translated into today's world? That's an interesting thought. Sir, we need to investigate this situation. No, you can't, sir. Get away from the body. No. I'm very, very sad. And my name's Trout. Huh, okay. Must be everlasting faint or childbirth. Ice-T isn't going to buy that. Well, much like Ice-T, Mary Jane, her mother was suspicious. She never really liked the guy anyway. I mean, his name was Trout. Mm. So after her daughter's death, she started praying for answers regarding what actually took place. And according to Mary Jane, the mother, it wasn't long before her daughter came to visit her in her dreams. She claimed that Heaster appeared to her over a four-night period and slowly began revealing information about what really happened to her and what was her cause of death. According to Mary Jane, her daughter told her basically that she had died at the hands of Shu. <gasps> I know. He had come home and she had failed to make meat for him for dinner. Shu became so upset that he wrapped his hands around her neck, snapping it. She also told her mother that the relationship was fraught with violence. Uh. The description that the ghost of Heaster allegedly gave her mother describing her death was incredibly detailed. She claimed that her neck was snapped at the first joint. Mary Jane said her daughter illustrated that in the dream by rotating her head 180 degrees. Some no, real... <laughs> that's fine. You know, I get it. You don't have to it's her, stop. It's a real uh, death becomes her kind of moment. Oh my God, I love that movie. So Mary Jane took that information to the local county prosecutor, a guy named John Preston. And of course, it's not easy to convince anybody to open an investigation based on a dream that one's had. Sure, sure, sure. And Preston was reluctant to. But ultimately, it was Dr. Knapp's failure to properly investigate the death that led to the investigation being reopened. Preston interviewed witnesses, taking down accounts of Shu's odd behavior immediately following his wife's death and then began investigating into Shu's background. Once again, I have to imagine what this would look like translated into today's world. Dear Chris Maloney, my daughter's dead and I had a dream that her head spun around a bunch. Please reopen the case. Dun dun! Preston also had Heaster's body exhumed for re-examination. That's exactly what Chris Maloney would do. Along with Dr. Knapp, who kind of botched the investigation to begin with, but they brought him back in on it. Uh, on February 22nd, 1897, they performed an autopsy. 
What they found were bruises in the shape of fingers around Heaster's neck and a crushed windpipe mm-hmm. at the first joint between the first and second vertebrae, just as the ghost had told her mother. You said this was 1894? 1897. 1897. Okay, sorry. For some reason, the young Anderson, the little boy, had been present at the autopsy. What? Why? Different times. I don't know. He described the moment this way. Quote, suddenly the doctor turned to Mr. Preston. They whispered together for a few minutes. Then Mr. Preston turned to Shu and said, quote, well, Shu, we have found your wife's neck to be snapped. Shu's head dropped, and a change came over him that I can't explain, but it certainly proved his guilt in my eyes. Interesting. It's unusual for pregnancy to cause a broken neck, but not unheard of. (laughs) Not unheard of. I mean, it could happen, I guess. After the autopsy results, the local sheriff, a guy named Hill Nickel, arrested Shu. God, they all have great names. They have great names. They all have names that are nouns. Hill, Nickel, Trout, Shu. So they go to his house to arrest him, right? But uh, Shu, being the charming guy that he is, uh, said, fine, uh, you, yeah, you can arrest me, but let me make you some breakfast first. So he made them a breakfast. And then they took him to the jail where he stayed until the trial, which <laughs> took place on the 30th of June, 1897. That's kind of nice. During the trial, Preston revealed what he had found out about Shu's past. He'd been married a couple of times before, His first marriage produced a child, as well as accounts of physical abuse similar to what Heaster's ghost described, allegedly. Shu was arrested and in jail for stealing a horse when his first wife left him. The second marriage lasted about eight months, and then it ended when his wife passed away suddenly under strange and mysterious circumstances similar Mm -hmm. to Heaster's passing. So the jury left the courtroom, not for long. They were back in an hour sure. with, with a guilty verdict. Trout Shu was guilty of the death of Zona Heaster. They sentenced him to life in prison. But Shu only served part of that sentence because he passed away from the flu in prison after three years. Is that really what, what it was or were they just guessing again? Yeah, Maybe it was from eternal fainting. <laughs> My information came from WestVirginiaExplorer.com. Mental Floss, ranker in the Washington Post. I love it when a ghost solves a murder. Me too. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout and you will save. Thanks Aura Frames for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now, that thing in the middle. The movie The Princess Bride has become a modern classic over the past generation. But some pretty weird things happened during its filming. It was the first night of the script read-through. Andre the Giant decided to celebrate a little bit too much. And he got so drunk, he passed out in the hotel lobby. And because he was so large, staff was unable to move him. So they simply set up velvet ropes around him and instructed the maids not to vacuum. We got a message on Patreon from Chris Maine, and Chris's message is long, so we're not going to go through all of it, but I'm going to get to a couple of main points. One, Chris says, I know that both of you don't know me from the backside of a circa 1929 Gypsy Tyrex booty coin. That's where you're wrong, Chris. <laughs> that being said, after COVID, which I did have my own experience with going from being on top to next to nothing in life and job wise. But I realized that podcasts do so much good in the world. And that is just where my heart is doing good understanding and helping. There's so much we don't know. And like I said before, this has been heavy on my heart and I'm finally reaching out. So if you actually read this whole thing, I'm going to do it properly. 
He gives a little background on himself. And then they say, I have realized how much podcasts mean to our society and our world right now. You're a prime example of that. I feel like you are my best friends. And I've never met you, but you are mental and understanding and your perception of the world. And I think he means that we talk about mental health and not that we're actually mental, but you know, <laughs> could go either way. Either way. Um, he says, it's been something of an eye opening revelation. Oh, thank you for what you do. And thank you for being who you are. I'm a 35 year old man who is single and has his faults. That being said, your podcast has changed me in such a positive fashion that it's altered me and my thought process. And that's what I want to do. Wow. Not just for me, but for anyone who has the means or the situation to start listening to people and start listening to people just talking. Long story short, I've come to the conclusion that I know what I want to do, and that's be a podcaster. Oh, great. More competition. <laughs> it's unbelievable, this this message. And it just it gives me all wow. kinds of the, the big puffy chest because... You know, you, yeah. you you want to have an influence and you want to be able to touch people and, and help them, you know, get somewhere, um, whether that be, you know, with self-esteem or maybe just getting up in the morning. Right. Oh, I have a goal in my life now. And that's pretty rad. Well, that really is. Good luck, Chris. Chris also ends it by saying, if you've made it this far, I'd like to let you know my son's name is Lion Mane, which is amazing. <laughs> that's lovely thank you so much chris yeah and let us know if we can help in any way i don't know what that would be but you're on patreon we read all that stuff have we responded to chris yet we have responded to chris well you did i guess yeah, so, yeah okay <laughs> i will too thanks chris want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money well i've got the podcast for you i'm sean piles and i host nerd wallets smart money podcast on our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The podcast now in a convenient travel size that fits in your pocket or purse. And in three new scents. Freshly cut coconut, summer breeze, and something died in the attic. This is The Box of Oddities. The incident took place during a Passover feast at a temple in Jerusalem. 
I love the intro to this. Heavily armed Roman soldiers were guarding a temple during the celebration of Passover, not long after the death of King of Judea, Herod Agrippa. King Herod. I love his casino. The book of Acts describes the failure of Agrippa to give glory to God, and that's what ended up killing him, according to this story. He was eaten by worms and died. Anyway, Flavius Josephus... Flavius. Flavius Josephus chronicled the history of the Jewish war against the Romans in his book, War of the Jews. It was published around 75 CE. And he tells this story that I'm going to relay to you. Okay. So the Roman general Pompey conquered Jerusalem and its surroundings by 63 BCE. So now Jerusalem is under the rule of the Romans. And the area of ancient Israel was predominantly Jewish until the Jewish-Roman Wars of 66 to 136 CE. It was then during those wars that the Roman Empire expelled most of the Jews from the area. So during this particular Passover celebration, thousands of Jews gathered to partake in the spring feast and festivities to commemorate the Israelites' exodus from Egypt thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. The Romans, who held control of Jerusalem at that time, apparently always kept guard at these types of festivals to prevent any disturbances. I guess because of the influx of Jewish people all in one place, they were worried about a potential uprising. Sure. And Passover would be a symbolic time, for sure, for that to happen. So anyway, the soldiers are all out and making sure no one tries to start shit. One Roman soldier, in particular, was on duty as a guard and stood over the cloisters of the temple. He was apparently not on board with the whole let's just keep things chill concept. And according to Flavius Josephus, Flavius, and according to Flavius Josephus, pulled back his garment and cowered down after an indecent manner, turned his breach to the Jews and spake such words as you might expect upon such a posture. Basically, he mooned the crowd coming into their religious ceremony and farted. Well, that's not kind. He then spake such words as you might expect upon such a posture, which I think means he said something along the lines of, I fart in your general direction. (laughs) Your mother was a hamster. Your father smells of elderberries. So, people obviously were horrified at this insult. Some went to Cumanus, who I understand to have been like a governor or of some sort, um, so that he would punish the soldier. Mm-hmm. And some were not waiting for the government to take action, so they started throwing rocks. Now, Cumanus was afraid the people would make an assault upon him and sent a call for more armed men. And as the Romans not one to have a light touch when it came to dealing with disturbances, they came out in great numbers into the cloisters, trying to push the Jewish people out into the street to force everyone to leave. The people who were there for Passover were pissed. Sure. And the Roman soldiers were dicks. And so... (laughs) 
it became a riot. Things escalated very quickly, and the crowd became a crush. Josephus wrote, The violence with which they crowded to get out was so great, and they trod upon each other and squeezed one another till 10,000 of them were killed. Wow. Trampled to death. It's said that there was not a single household in the city that was not affected by the riot and that everyone lost someone to it. Oh, my God. Wow. And that is how a fart killed 10,000 people. Wow. That was brilliantly summed up. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Now, it's important to note, uh, as stated in the Medium article that I was reading, uh, there is only one account of the incident by Flavius Josephus. Flavius. Flavius. Wait, which one is it? It's Flavius. Flavius. Fla- Wait. <laughs> no. You. It's Flavius. Flavius Flav. He's got like a giant Roman numeral clock. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> a sundial. He's on got his a chest. sundial. And he's all stooped over because it's so heavy. It's made out of stone. Oh, God. And he has to stand in one place. Otherwise, he can't tell what time it is. So modern... Flavius Flav. (laughs) So modern historians believe that the number of deaths were exaggerated, that this was one of those stories that was written about years later. I see. And it was kind of exaggerated. But while doing reading about this incident, I came across... Other articles. This is not the first nor the last time a fart changed history. So I hope that you're down to hear more because I plan on revisiting those articles uh, quickly. Okay. Now, I have to tell you, this story should have taken me about half as long to put together. But because this is not a time in history that I know a lot about, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to to just move through the story. And I had so many questions, like why were the Romans guarding the temple at Passover? And when did Rome rule over Jerusalem? Who is Agrippa? And Agrippa sounds like Agrabah. And is that where the Aladdin movie got Agrabah from? And then the guy was eaten by worms and then he died? And I don't think that's the way normally things work. And Weren't the Jews exiled from Jerusalem? But that wasn't till later. But what is Passover really, though? And my goodness, can Jewish people catch a break? Or, yeah, who's this Cumanus guy? And he's not good at his job. So, word. (laughs) It was. It was a long go for me. I had to do so much reading because I know nothing. And that became very apparent to me today. And I'm having kind of a self-esteem moment. You want a hug? Yes, please. All right. There you go. Thank you. So anyway, farts. Yeah, kill people. Yep. I got most of my information from The Sun, Medium.com, History Collection, the works of Flavius Josephus. Flavius. Damn it. No. <laughs> no. Did I say it right or wrong? This, and now I don't know which one's which. Maximus Gluteus. Anyway, his book. Well, that's fascinating. I love stories that involve uh, history and flatulence. (laughs) Oh, good. Is it flatulence or flatulence? Don't forget that our 500th episode probably is going to happen sometime later this year. Well, it will happen later this year. Um, And we're looking for ways to celebrate it, maybe some sort of a contest. And if you have any ideas, you can send that to us, theboxofoddities.com, or hit us up on the social media. 
Didn't we already talk about this? Yeah, I was just reminding people. Oh, okay. All. Yeah. It's just that we talked about it like 20 minutes ago. Well, if you're like me, I don't remember anything from five minutes ago. In <laughs> many cases. Plus there's been farts and murder and all kinds of business. So, all right. Fair enough. Thanks for hanging out with us again, you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.